Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. There's this, there's this dog that uh, is on Boomerang, and I, I don't remember what the original show was called or what the dog was called, but the dog is always doing um, sinister things and then like... Muttley from Wacky Races. George's laugh yeah. sounds like Muttley. You do you do kind of sound like Muttley. Does that make you Snidely Whiplash, Micah? I think that makes you Snidely Whiplash. Sure, whoever that is. Wait, no, come on. You do a cartoon podcast. You tell me you don't know who Snidely Whiplash is? You are correct, sir. Oh, my God. Okay, your assignment for this weekend is to go find Wacky Races and watch it. I will be traveling back to to clean the apartment that I moved out of. No, no, this is this is your this is your assignment now or else I will find you. I will hunt you down in your little dog, too, if you don't if you don't watch. it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Do you have a particular set of skills, Steve? I, I do. I do. They're mostly involved playing cards on a virtual table. <laughs> but yes, I do have a particular set of skills. <coughs> oh boy. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. That's okay. I edit that too. I apologize. That's okay. That's what editing is for. You don't have to apologize <laughs> yeah. for being ill. You're the illest. <laughs> I, now. Isn't that is that a good thing? Like I'm yeah. illin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This Finally is the... I'm cool. Yeah, you're 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 gelling like Magellan is what you're doing. <laughs> oh man, Steve. You just you just uh, took it down a few notches there. I, I did. Is this the show? Are we recording the show right now? Is I'm this the show? This is the My, show. This has always this, been the show. Yeah. Wait, who are you? From the top. So we we have so Bree is still on her uh on her extended vocal surgery vacation. So we have a guest. Uh, and Brayden, I don't want to try to pronounce your last name because I'm going to butcher it. So it's Beaulieu. Would... It is very, very well done, Georgia. Most people in my family can't even pronounce it. So <laughs> really, do you speak French? <laughs> I, I do. Uh, a lot oh, of my family nice. members just use like the Anglophone pronunciation, which is Beaulieu, Ooh. and I use that occasionally too. Do which you? Is... Beaulieu. It like... just sounds like expensive. That sounds like a university <laughs> for ranchers. Ooh, I like that. I, you, Beaulieu. you've adequately guessed kind of Wait. the background of my family oh. a little bit well, <laughs> not, but not bovine university because that's something very different yeah <laughs> correct <laughs> obscure simpsons references for the win so there we go i knew i i knew i had heard that somewhere bovine I was university to was, a, was, a, was a euphemism for the slaughterhouse so yeah lisa oh. the vegetarian yes lisa the vegetarian yes <laughs> one of the few episodes of the simpsons i've actually watched Wait, what I know. Who I'm just ruining you? everything. I know. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Like you're actually outdoing Steve. Oh my God. <laughs> Steve's watched something that you like, have not. No, because you see, this is what I did when I wasn't watching movies for like the first 20 years of my life is I was just watching The Simpsons over and over and over again. So it's like I, one really long movie. Well, I think that we should first introduce Monsieur Beaulieu to everyone. So, Brayden, why don't you tell us about why you're famous on the internet? Uh, I wish I were famous on the internet, but if I were 
famous on the internet, uh, it would probably be uh, one of a few things. Uh, the first thing about me is that I am a doctoral candidate with the University of Calgary, uh, where I study English. So I study poetry, creative writing, science fiction, and video games there. I Ooh. also am one of the community managers for Feminist War Cult, which Bree has mentioned many times on uh, this show and on Isometric. It's a safer space gaming community for uh, people of any gender, regardless of intersections with race, class, sexuality, or any other marker of identity. My my one positive experience playing Destiny was with, was guesting with Bree uh, with the Feminist War Cult, so... Yeah, I'm. I know that you played with a few people. I, I wasn't part of that one, but I had heard many good stories about it afterwards. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty terrible, and I don't talk when I'm playing that game because I'm focusing so much on just not dying. <laughs> so I, I wasn't the most talkative while I was playing it, but it was. It, it was a good experience. Uh, I mean, and it's. It's so hard to find good gaming communities to play with that are going to be non toxic and positive experiences so it's it's good that you so are, are you just are you are you guys just doing destiny still or have you branched out to other games since oh no we've had to branch out to other games because destiny is um it's kind of in the wind these days not that people don't play it or that it isn't fun to play it. it's just there isn't a lot of new content to get through so uh a lot of us play overwatch um there's also a contingent of people playing say titanfall 2 or battlefield 1 we try to keep up with what people are playing. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I should try to hook up with you guys with Overwatch because that's a game I can actually play. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us are on PS4, but I do know that yeah. there are people who play it on PC as well. Yeah, I'm on PS4 community. also, so that's good. So that works out. Yeah. Our our video game time aside, yeah, we should probably move on. Though I, I guess since we have two Canadians on the show, I, I think I need you to answer for your canadian brethren who are threatening to torture drunk drivers with nickelback what it's just a good idea i mean the worst part is i actually like nickelback i know send the hate mail to steve but i do you're not the only canadian i know who said that i i work with uh a guy named mike and mike likes nickelback um unironically and my heart breaks I don't understand why so much hatred. I think it's kind of bandwagon stuff. Like, so the songs sound the same. They're still good. They're still good songs. There's no hatred in this. I don't understand the hatred. Well, apparently there is. If that's an effective deterrent from drunk driving, apparently there is enough hatred there. But uh... It's a very Canadian way of dealing with things. Yeah, there's no hatred. Yeah, that's the that's a Canadian waterboarding is uh, is Nickelback in the prison cell. That's that's Canadian waterboarding. Uh, that yep. That, and the corrections officers say sorry after. Yeah, yeah. They, they apologize. <laughs> they apologize several times after that. But I, I think that they would like sing the Barney song or something like that. Oh, you know, the purple dinosaur. Lord. That would be appropriate. Caillou's from Canada, isn't it? They could just put on Caillou. That would be Caillou's that. from Can- Canada as well. Why yeah. wait? Why don't you like Caillou? I don't even know this. Oh, Caillou, Caillou is, is the devil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Caillou is Caillou. Is, I apologize, everyone. I'm sick. That's why I sound okay. Like this, so. so, so you have to understand that I have two daughters who are on the autism spectrum, and this became a fixation for one of them. So, wait, we Caillou? Up, oh yeah, 
Oh no, Steve. So there was one trip to Florida where we had a de- we had like one episode of Caillou on her iPad for her to watch, which was Caillou's Rock and Roll Band, which is about as much fun as you can. It's actually the only the only band worse than Nickelback is Caillou's <laughs> Rock and Roll Band. <laughs> And and she played oh, that on endless repeat over and over and was actually saying the dialogue and singing along with every line of dialogue in the show My to God. the point where I wanted to take that little bald monster and throw him out the window. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Oh, that's harsh. Caillou teaches bad habits, though. Caillou is kind of Caillou a brat. teaches whining to get your way is basically yes. what Caillou yes. does. Yes, the show is not good for teaching kids, like, the value of being a good person. The show <laughs> is for teaching kids how to rebirth Satan on the planet. Oh, oh, that is uncalled yeah. for. Raiden, do you agree with this? Uh, see, I okay, so I... <laughs> didn't watch caillou when i was a kid that i i was a little bit too old for that one when it became popular um so so i can't really corroborate any of this but <laughs> i would not be surprised if what is it caillou's rock band yeah caillou's rock and roll band yeah it needs to be the next iteration of rock band if we're being honest but yes. i can see it being up there with nickelback in terms of bad canadian music <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will. I will say Canada has a lot of fine rock bands. Nickelback yes. and Caillou are the two exceptions. And but, Justin Bieber. Oh wait, that's well, not yes. a rock band. But but uh, you know the tragically hip wait, and the new on, pornographers on, on. are at the top of my library. So I'm not anti Canadian music. Just Nickelback and Caillou. Okay. Just for the record. Just because I don't the, want Georgia to think I'm picking on her too much when she can't speak up to defend herself. So Georgia's over the hate. I will say that the new Justin Bieber album, the newest one, is actually very good. Like, surprisingly so. Yeah, like, I've never been a Justin Bieber fan. I never listened to Justin Bieber, but I listened to that new album, and I was sold. I listened to that at the gym every day, basically. I'll have to check it out then. I can I can give Bieber another chance. I can believe. Uh, we should definitely move on, though, to talk about stuff that's on the list this week. First up, we are going to talk about uh, a toxic hell stew, uh, otherwise known we as Reddit. We already talked about Nickelback. <laughs> uh, there's no hate. Remember, Georgia said there's sorry, no hate. I'm sorry. I'll be good. I apologize. Uh, so Reddit has kind of had, uh, yet another meltdown. Um, you know, Ellen Powell stepped down from being the CEO of Reddit a while back. And, uh, now we have our dear friend Huffman, uh, as, as Reddit CEO. And well, apparently Huffman was on there and he was trolling some people in the Donald Trump, uh, I, subreddit is that what they're called i don't read it so subreddit is the correct terminology yes he's caught editing comments and things like that and uh he's he's you know getting in trouble for that from from the the people of reddit but at the same time is also talking about how reddit is allegedly going to be um policing its most toxic users so those of you who are Redditors, uh, let's break this out into a discussion that makes sense to those of us who are not Redditors. Um, Reddit is broken up into all kinds of different subreddits that each have their own moderators that basically uh, act as the police officers of that particular community, making sure that people are behaving well and treating each other well. And historically, we know that Reddit 
doesn't do this for itself very well. Um, there's a history of entire subreddits having to be nuked because they just became uh, bastions of toxicity. Um, and right now, uh, the subreddit r slash the Donald um, is seen as one of these places where this is happening. And a lot of commenters will uh, basically make comments that are disrespectful, that um, are borderline, uh, if not outright, breaching Reddit's terms of service. Uh, and the moderators don't seem to be taking action against those users with the consistency that other subreddits would like to see them using, basically. So the moderators who are in charge of moderating Reddit as a whole, who are engineers and business people and whatnot, um, one of these uh, moderators named Spez essentially decided that he was going to go into comments that were specifically addressed to him or about him, um, saying just horrible things about him. And he was going to edit those comments and replace his username with the usernames of uh, moderators in the Donald um, and I'm not sure if he did it for other subreddits as well. I just know that it was happening in the Donald and he was very quickly caught. And that's where this whole thing is coming from. Yeah. And just to be clear, he's, he's the CEO of the new CEO of the new old CEO. I suppose he was one of the founders and then he left. And then when Alan Powell, uh, resigned, I think it was last year, he came on to run the site that he had founded and he, instead, instead of, you know, actually dealing with the toxicity, his approach was to just go and basically troll the trolls. And it's funny because now they're finally, after all this time, because that was like one of the last things that Ellen Powell did before she before she left was to close some of the those really awful subreddits that are so bad that we can't even really say the names of them on the show and keep from having to put the explicit tag on. They've pretty much done nothing ever since. And the only reason they're doing something now is because this subreddit since the election has just exploded onto the rest of the site and has basically tried to just been posting threads to other sites trying to take them over. They've been uh, doing some sort of they've been skirting around uh, some sort of I, I'm not a I'm not a huge Reddit person myself. I pretty much read only, so I'm kind of talking around it. But my understanding is they're doing something that's like shady but legal in terms of getting around upvoting brigading to get their posts onto the main um, all subreddit, which is what is basically the the homepage of Reddit that most people see when they first log in. And the only reason they're doing this anything about toxicity now is because the CEO has been personally affected and it's now it's actually a problem. Whereas when women and people of color and any other minority group was saying, look, you know, these people are are making this a toxic hell stew. They did nothing because free speech or whatever. But now that they're actually affected, now it's actually a problem because they've seen it firsthand instead of actually believing anybody else who's on the site has been telling this for them, telling them this for years. Which is which is the, you know, the real irony in that yeah. is exactly that, Steve, is that they already knew this was happening. And when it happened to others, they kind of were able to turn a blind eye and then they saw how painful it was. Like it's the problem with empathy is that if you don't naturally have that inclination, you only have empathy when it suddenly comes around to your doorstep. And sometimes then it's too late. You've done, it's done so much damage to that. And so then now they're going to like, oh, well, we're going to change so that people can't, you know, hate monger and, and, you know, go after people and, and try to destroy them. But 
this isn't a public space. This is still a website. The, you know, yes, they made the rules and they're breaking their own rules, which is why people are so upset is that they're breaking their own rules. Like they're not, they're not just taking off the post or mentioning that this post was deleted. And this is the reasons for that. It's that they were edited without that being stated. And so, you know, they're breaking their own rules, but if you own a website, you're, well, you're the CEO of it, you know, you run everything on it and you yourself are being slandered, would not think of, you know, changing that so that you no longer have like slander or villainous kind of evil, mean, cruel, you know, comments all over that. I fully understand his feeling to doing that. The problem is, is that, you know, you're also running something that, that deals in a community and, you know, are you going to break your own rules in order to do that? Then people start being angry with the site, even people that agree that it shouldn't be there, but are angry that, you know, because of your power, you can take certain actions that other people that did not have that power had to endure. Yeah, it's funny because Ellen Powell is still a Reddit user. There was an AMA or there was, a, you know, a piece. Yeah, I think he did a TIFU, right? Yeah, Today yeah I, I got it open right now. It's the... Yeah, the title is Today I Messed Up by Editing Some Comments and Creating an Unnecessary Controversy. And it's like a big, long kind of like a a pseudo apology for doing what he did. Yeah. So a a TIFU is a thing. Is it it a Reddit thing or is that just like a wider thing? It's a Reddit thing thing and it means today I effed up messed up that's it yeah gotcha so but so somebody called him out on that and he said well ellen what it's fair ellen wasn't the first reddit engineer so she probably lacked the expertise to do it and even if she did she was smart enough to not and then pow actually responded to that and said yeah there's no comparison i would have immediately fired anyone who did that so wow. <laughs> uh, she's she's actually had a few sick burns on this uh, in this whole situation. She's justified. I mean, she always was justified, but she vindicated is more the word I'm looking for that. This has just gone on for so long that it's gotten this out of control that it's affecting the CEO and the CEO doesn't even really know how to respond. It's just like if you're like a grown person, like a mature person, you wouldn't do that. That's like a. It's like a teenager's response to this type of thing. I mean, the right thing is to have the the self-recognition to say, like, this is how bad the situation is and we need to get a hold of it instead of, like, responding in kind. If you've been around any amount of time, you know how that's going to turn out. Like, it's not like they're new to the Internet. They know that that's not going to go well. But, you know, he just didn't have any of, like, the self-control even to be able to to recognize that before he did it. it it's shocking i mean it's not really shocking given what reddit is because reddit is just kind of you know metastasized into into just horribleness and it's gotten worse since alan powell left and he's taken over but it's just shocking to see somebody who's in a ceo role like taking that action well you'd think that anyone with that amount of responsibility would understand the line that can't exactly be crossed like i'm 100 on board with like trolling the trolls but that's 100 the wrong way to go about it because you're you're doing something you're altering something that someone has put out into the world even if that thing is disgusting and horrible without their consent which is a form of a violation right especially on a on a website that explicitly forbids doing things like that yeah and and i mean using power that you have as the site owner that other people don't have to do that mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's basically abusing your position effectively. It's a little bit it's a little bit cowardly. And I don't mean cowardly in a very harsh sense, 
But you didn't have to take a stand. You didn't have to say that we need to fix something. It, it's kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this go away, and then I'm not going to fix the problem that is there. It's a petty kind of action, Yeah, I think is a good word for it. So is Reddit screwed? No, unfortunately it's not. It's not. You know what? I don't even think it's going to cause even a bump in, in their um, readers. If anything, the thing has had the, the result of them introducing the ability to actually filter all, like the, the, sub, the all subreddit for yourself, which is an extremely positive improvement for Reddit overall because it allows you to see the top voted things on the website as a whole, but you can exclude seeing things from whichever sites you don't want to see, whatever your, your leanings are. Yeah, that just seems like a good feature, even aside, like if we take away any sort of uh, these kind of tie-ins to it, that's just like a good feature to have in general, usability thing. So I'm glad that they added that, A, because it keeps you from having to see terrible things that you don't want to see, but also because, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more dog stuff. I don't even know if this is a thing, but more dog stuff on all and less cat stuff on all or something. Uh, so I, I think it just seems like a good user feature in general. Yeah. I mean, you never want to, I mean, I would want to set that up so that you never see any posts from r slash Caillou. I mean, that, <laughs> I think that's r just a kind Nickelback. of, a, that's kind of a common sense thing. I don't want, I never want to see r slash Caillou, but <laughs> I have to check if that exists. I've got to head to Google Chrome right now. <laughs> you know what? This is the internet. I am sure that there is a community of like-minded Caillou enthusiasts who are very happy uh, in their, in their little Caillou bubble of, on the internet. It sounds like what's kind of been exposed through this is that part of the reason also that this has gotten to the point that it has is because there's no communication between like administration and the unpaid moderators who are running these subreddits too to give them any sort of support to be able to do any sort of moderation that would keep this kind of an uprising in check. But I, I mean, I guess if they're really serious about doing that, but I guess at some point you would imagine that those moderators just say, just throw up their hands and say, I'm not doing this anymore. Cause why should I put myself through that torture? And eventually that starts to break down when you have nobody who's willing to do that anymore, especially when they're not being paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Oh, it, oh well, my god. Uh, oh. oh, there oh, is no. one. <laughs> oh it has my 66 god. readers and some of the posts seem to be oh my NSFW, god, that, yeah. but uh, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, no. I regret having clicked I, on this. I, 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 will, I will spare our listeners from linking that in the show notes. I usually try to be very thorough and the links that I include in the show notes, I will not I will assure you that a Caillou subreddit exists, and I will leave it as an exercise for the listener to go <laughs> and and discover it. If that's something that you would like to subject yourself to, but I am not taking responsibility for sending you there. There is uh, an important thing that I need to note here, though. There, There is a warning on the page that says, Caillou is not a real fireman, in all caps. So just so everybody knows, okay. Caillou is not a real fireman. I was worried. <laughs> Oh dear uh, God! I can't believe it exists. Uh, but so, uh, so instead of Caillou, should you tell us about something that's awesome, Micah? Yeah, yeah. I was going to tell you about uh, something that is a real fireman. Oh wait, no, that's not true. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. By next year, actually, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay out there. Maybe it'll be the next Bitcoin or the next Apple Pay, or maybe even both. Fortunately, Braintree's full stack payment platform is easily adapted to whatever the future holds, so you can adapt easily too. 
It accepts everything from pounds to PayPal's to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. That rhymes. And when that new payment method comes out, all you'll have to do is update a few lines of code. Braintree's code is elegant with clear documentation. It supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients. And there are SDKs in many languages like .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby. No late nights, no complicated recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to check it out at braintreepayments.com slash disruption. And once again, that's braintreepayments.com slash disruption. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show and all of the shows here at Relay FM. All right. Braintree. Let's uh, talk about that game that was once just like on everybody's mind and in everybody's mouth and on everybody's Twitter. No Man's Sky. So a, um, a, a new update. They're, they're calling it a patch, but I've heard it said that it's quite a lot more than just a patch. Uh, but a, a new thing came out uh, for No Man's Sky that allows you to build a home base. You can not just drift around in the world like a piece of floating space cotton. You can actually settle down your little space cotton seed pod and grow a space cotton tree so that's pretty cool right <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> okay georgia tell me how you really feel uh, no, like what uh, don't you expect more i'm just asking oh, okay so oh. so the the background with this game and we talked about this when it first came out like six months ago they they'd showed this off at e3 a couple of times and it was uh you one could argue that it was somewhat oversold um, in the in the trailers that were shown and there were a lot of features like there was more space battling I think than what was shown there were multiplayer capabilities there were animal life that didn't make it quite into the game and it implied that it was more than it was which is when it when it released six months ago it was basically a an exploration simulator where you would land on a planet and you would collect resources and you'd wander around and you'd you'd try not to get caught by the robots that were patrolling the planet and then you'd eventually get enough resources to be able to blast off into the next solar system and and so on and so forth until you got to the uh to the center of the universe and it was impressive for what it was but it wasn't what a lot of people thought it was going to be and this is a first they've basically been in radio silence since the launch um, and this is like the first big update that they're making to the game since it was launched to try to bring the game more into line with the the game that people thought it was going to be when they bought when they pre-ordered it, um, which is is admirable. I think the Hello Games, who's the who's the developer, is still an indie studio, but they're being published by Sony. And typically with it with, a you know, something that's published by one of the major publishers, unless it's explicitly something that is going to be supported forever like a like a MOBA or an MMO or you know something that's going to sell expansion packs typically these games don't get huge updates like this because it's just not profitable but they're kind of trying to make good on the on making the game that people thought that they were getting uh even though there's not they've pretty much made the a lot of the sales that they're going to make on the game at this point and and I mean to that point there was actually a 
um, a lawsuit that was filed uh, accusing them of false advertising that was just thrown out this week or, or was settled that it's not false advertising and they were cleared of that it, based on the uh, the videos that they showed it at E3 and some of the subsequent uh, press conferences. It's so strange to me, you know, looking at this from like an outsider, when I think of false advertising, I think of like lipephedrine or something where it's this this pill that says it'll help, like you can eat, uh, you know, 16 pounds of lasagna and uh, it, you won't gain an, an ounce of weight or something. And then you take the pill and it doesn't do that thing at all whatsoever. Or, um, you know, you, you get this car wax that's supposed to make your car look like it's fresh from the factory and you find out it's just water in there. But for something like this, where it's a game that's uh, procedurally generated and they've always said that it was that and that, it, you know, you can go around and explore. I mean, is that is is that my understanding that people are basically just salty steving it and saying that this game didn't didn't live up to what our expectations were and so you falsely advertised uh, it just seems like it's such a small i don't know such a small thing to make such a big deal out of i guess like you buy a game for what i don't know what games cost these Six, days 60 bucks yeah you buy a game for 60 bucks and it doesn't make you happy so you file a class action lawsuit that it, i i'm my mind is a little blown about this i guess i think i mean we're looking at like a briny sea of salty steves here like this is <laughs> we're talking about a lot of oh people i think we have the I have name to have of a the moment show. for that <laughs> that's definitely the name of the show done uh, i'll just gonna great. go get in my pineapple and 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 sit here sit there for the rest of the conversation <laughs> oh god <laughs> But the whole situation with No Man's Sky is, I mean, like, at, at its core, it's its very disgraceful. Like, we, as, like, a, a group, if we're talking about people who play video games, have treated Hello Games very badly here. Because name me a game that doesn't try to oversell itself. Like, that's the whole point of advertising a game, <laughs> is that you put out the cinematic trailer that makes it that's look better than it's going podcast. to look. That's what we do with this podcast, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you do it. You do it yeah. in everything, right? Yeah. Like, you try to sell something as the solution to people's problems so that they feel good when they play it. And I think a big problem with No Man's Sky is that because no one knew what to expect, because this is a procedurally generated game and no one's really played anything like this at its scale. There are lots of procedurally generated games, but at the scale, this is this is new. Um, and I think people really blew it up as like a do-anything simulator, you know, where, where I could go and, and literally do whatever I want because the game's going to procedurally generate those situations for me when that's not exactly the way that systems work when you program them. So um, I think a lot of people really blew it out of proportion in their imaginations. And then when they got the game, they couldn't, there's, there's nowhere to go from there. You know, you have to be disappointed by something if you think it's going to be a do anything simulator, right? Uh, you know, there are people who still play, you know, games like Grand Theft Auto five, for example, which is supposed to be a do anything simulator and find things that you can't do. And what this is, is that hello games being a really small company, um, that doesn't have a lot of capital behind it. Um, if especially if we're comparing it to things like, uh, you know, Activision or Ubisoft, it's an easy target, right? And you get like so many people who just kind of jump into jump onto the bandwagon in order to go after something that frustrates them about all games because this one game is that the company is easy to go after, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's fair to say that they 
the that Hello Games didn't really do anything to bring expectations in line with reality. I think that's fair. Which, which is understandable because they are, especially at the beginning, they weren't really seasoned in dealing with PR. Like their biggest game before that were like the Joe Danger, like motorcycle, uh, like trials alike games. Like they were small games before that. And they just kept kind of making these statements that didn't necessarily say that they were going to be doing all the things that think that people thought they were going to be able to do in the game. But they didn't say that they weren't going to be able to do all those things either. And so they didn't, which is, is you know, I, I saw this at the time and I was like, I'm not reading anything else about this game because these guys are are letting everyone's imaginations go wild. And I don't believe if I just take on face value the things that they're saying, there's no way they're going to be able to pull this game off. And it's never going to ship. So, I mean, having been through this enough times to know that typically, like, pretty much every one of Peter Molyneux's games, like, since Dungeon Keeper, effectively, like, you you know when somebody starts promising everything that it's very unlikely that a lot of that stuff's going to make it into the final version. But, uh, you know, this is also a problem with pre-ordering that, you know, the companies are very happy to take your money ahead of time. And that's generally a terrible idea, because if you don't know what you're getting, then a lot of a lot of people had bought this based on what they thought they were being promised. And then they got the thing. And, you know, Sony's had their money for two years. And then all of a sudden, the thing that they got was not the thing that they thought they were going to get. And then they were they were upset, rightfully or otherwise. Yeah, don't pre-order games. It, it comes down to expectational debt. You want to sell your item. You want to make people excited about it, but you don't want them to be so excited about it that the game then becomes, in comparison, a disappointment. And there's a really important balance between those two things, because when people end up with expectational debt, even if the game was relatively good, but they expected mind-blowing, they are going to become really angry and you're going to get a ton of negative press. And that's why a lot of um, big companies end up hiring psychologists to make sure that they make that sweet spot where they're going to create buzz, but they're not going to make their consumers angry. You wouldn't like us when we're angry. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm thinking of like, for example, Apple says it has just created the most magical, most amazing, most bestest, estest ever laptop. And you get it. And you're happy with it. But when you think about it, it's not the most magical, bestest, estest ever thing in existence. It's, it's not the holy grail. It's, it's just, it, it's a piece of technology. And like, we don't get, well, at least to this level, people don't file class action lawsuits against Apple because they said something was magical. They, but they have filed class action lawsuits against Apple. Yes. When they did not deliver on what they said that they were going to deliver. Well, I mean, okay, so let's let's take this to Apple, right? So let's talk about Siri, which is my favorite thing to pick on, right? Because Siri is something that's been promised that you're going to be able to do a lot of things with it and that it's going to be able to understand you. And very often, every time that I try to use Siri, it tells me that it can't find my wife and my contacts. And and, and this is the this is kind of true with every Apple demo, too, if you think about it, where they demo the best case scenario. Right. And then you actually get the thing. And it's at least at first, it's never as good as what they're demoing 
on stage because everything's very strict, very strictly choreographed and they they have everything, you know, perfectly groomed to work the way that they want to. And when you try to use it at home, it doesn't always work that way. I mean, iCloud's a perfect example of that, too. Like iCloud or or when Apple Music was messing up everybody's libraries or or everything else. It's like whenever you're you're promised something and it just doesn't work the way that you want it to, I think that lends people to be upset. And especially when this is always more acute with games because there's a long tradition of I, I hate quoting the Penny Arcade ga- guys, but they um, they did come up with this term, which I'll use, which was bullshot, which was when there was a long time when uh, consoles weren't as um, weren't as good as at displaying graphics effectively as they are now when games would be demoed with pre-rendered uh, footage like out of a cinematic and then that was shown as though it was gameplay. So you would see these beautiful, like, you know, CG uh, movie quality videos, and then you get your hands on the game and there's jagged edges everywhere. And so there's kind of a a tradition of being lied to to some extent. And, and that it doesn't really happen as much now. It does happen occasionally, but it doesn't happen as much. But there's – especially because a lot of the people who are paying for these games – are on relatively restricted budgets and the games that they're that they're being asked to buy are often account for a fairly large percentage of that budget because that's their entertainment. So like if you if $60 is a big a big deal to you because you're a college student and that that's the equivalent of you just like going off the meal plan for 2 weeks or whatever, then you're going to be upset that you've taken all your money that was for that part of your budget and sunk it into this thing that is not what you thought it was going to be. I'm not saying that it's justified, but I think that's I think that's what's happening a lot of the time. I think a big part of that, too, it, you know, we've mentioned it already, but there's the pre-order thing, right? Like the the money wouldn't have gotten sunk into that thing if if you as a consumer had waited. And I, I don't want to, like, blame consumers for being, like, disappointed by things necessarily. But, like, that is a product of the video games industry that's so ingrained in the way that we deal with game companies now and and the services that um that sell games to us that it's hard to um do anything else you know because pre-order bonuses make a game feel more compelling to buy right like if i don't buy if i don't pre-order the the game i'm gonna lose out on being able to play it a week early or uh you know i'm going to lose out on this particular gear that might make the game more enjoyable for me or this extra mission that comes with the pre-order um and it's a, a really um, manipulative business practice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's super weird that that so many people just kind of that it's that it's become so popular to do. Like that's the way you buy games now is by pre-ordering them digitally through whatever service you're using to buy games. Yeah, and and I mean, there, it served a purpose when it first started because like. I remember being like 11 years old and my dad having to go from like store to store for like three months looking for a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 because you just you literally could not find it. And for a long time with that was how like stores like GameStop would get allocated inventory was based on pre-orders. So there was a very good chance 
you know, in like the late 90s, early 2000s, if you didn't pre-order a game, you weren't going to get that game for you don't necessarily know how long, depending on how popular that game ended up being. But when it's a digital good that's just being downloaded to your console, it's basically just like, I don't want to wait for this any like you're basically you're preloading it onto your console so that you can unlock it at 12.01 a.m. like the day that it launches, because you want to be able to be the first one to play it. And like if that's important to you, that's important to you. But you're also have to kind of understand the cost that you're incurring by doing that, which is that the game may not be as good as you think it is. And you're not necessarily getting a chance to let the reviews come out or watch people stream it or, uh, you know, get an idea if you're making a making an informed buying decision because you're just, you know, taking the chance that that's going to be what you think it is. And, you know, if it's like Madden, you know what you're getting. Right. But if it's something that is completely unknown from a game studio that's never really done anything at this scale before, you know, it's worth taking some caution there. And a lot of people just are so used to pre-ordering as the way that you buy video games that they they just jumped in headfirst. I don't know. I'm still upset about this. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think that just because someone is expecting something else than what they got to go and launch this this lawsuit, it just seems it's it seems wrong to me. It's really gross. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you that it's wrong. I think it is wrong, and I think that there were definitely mistakes made by Sony and by Hello Games in the way that they promoted this game, but. That's not to say that like this is this is just what game development is, is that things hit the cutting room floor. And oftentimes, especially when you have people who aren't experienced, they just don't really know what's possible to ship until they try to ship it. And that's the kind of thing that happens. But you can't really you can't unring that bell once it's been wrong. So then it's on the consumers also to kind of, you know, look at what they're pre-ordering. I mean, this is even going back to Kickstarters. Like how many Kickstarters have we gone through that just haven't lived up to expectations or like, you know, you can, you can name them off one after the other. We had a whole conversation about the Peter Molyneux Kickstarter. We could talk about uh, mighty number nine, which was supposed to be the the Mega Man spiritual successor, which is anything but, I mean, there's even from, from developers who, presumably know what they're doing they often can't hold up to what they're promising in the kickstarter campaign very often it's just wiley coyote running into the running into the the canyon wall (laughs) over and over again since we're just talking about cartoons this whole episode anyway you know just repeatedly running smack into the canyon wall that, that he painted the tunnel on because he thinks that there's a tunnel there and and you know at a certain point you have to you know put a bandage on your head and reevaluate what you're running into you know what i mean Maybe I know what you mean. <laughs> Going back to what Brayden said earlier, though, I, like every si- this is how video game marketing works, and every single video game is trying to push itself as this great thing because that's how you get people to buy your game, and that's why. Like, I, I mean, it's too late; it's happened. People have already done this thing, but it, like, that's that's where it comes from for me. Is what what makes this difference different other than the fact, you know, again said earlier that this was a more vulnerable company because it's smaller. Uh, 
you know, all of the companies are saying they have the best thing ever. And in the Kickstarter campaign uh, case, a lot of times they did not deliver on what they said they were going to. But Hello Games said they were going to make a procedurally generated, um, you know, you'll be able to fly around to different planets and try to find the center of the universe. And that's what the game is. And it's like it was based more in people's, as you said earlier too, Braid, based more in people's imaginations on what they thought it was going to be. And when it wasn't what they thought it was going to be in their own brains, in their own procedurally generated minds, then they got upset and went after this company. So I just like feel like I need to hug Hello Games and just say, you know, I'll protect you because everybody out there is uh, griping in the briny sea of Salty Steve's. I want to let them know that they did a good job. You know, like yeah. that the game might, I mean, I have my problems with No Man's Sky. I only played it for two weeks and, and didn't go back to it. I'll probably play with the foundation update, see what's what and whatnot. But regardless of that, I think that the game was something that I'd never tried before. You know, like they really took a chance and they delivered a product that worked, even if it wasn't up to the expectations of uh, the general public about okay, it's going to be this procedurally generated universe, but I'm not going to feel as good about playing it as I thought I was going to, right? And it comes down to, like, that subjective experience of the game. And, again, even though my subjective experience and lots of other people's was less than favorable, that game did something for me that no other game has done. I think we we need to take it as a cautionary tale, though. Other people, if you're selling anything, don't oversell it. Understand how people react. And I think that especially when you're dealing with something that people are going to be using a lot of their imagination to, which um, I think, you know, Brayden was speaking about that, you know, people expected a lot from this game. But because this was something that wasn't really done exactly in the same way before, people filled in the gaps with their own imagination. It's why, you know, if you read a book and then you go to see a movie, most often than not, you're going to be disappointed because there's no way that a movie is going to be able to live up to what you created in your own mind. Yeah, and I think that it's it, what's the problem is with something like this is that, you know, Hello Games, to their credit, took a big risk and Sony took a big risk in publishing them and they were not rewarded for that in the slightest. And, you know, there was just a story that came out this week. We're recording this on the Thursday after Thanksgiving in the U.S., and which is, you know, one of the biggest sales weekends of the year. And there's a lot of worry now at some of the big game re- retailers because a lot of the game sales are down significantly. And you look at the ones that they were expecting to do well, and it was Titanfall 2, Watch Dogs 2, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, and Dishonored 2, which are all which are all sequels to games that are already known. So it's like you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Clearly, like sequels are starting to be not what people are looking for anymore, but somebody tries to do something new and they don't quite hit the mark and they're they're destroyed for it. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of toxic either way. I think the results that came out and that um, those numbers that were published, though, are kind of ignoring the context of how people purchase games now, though. Like, we've, we've already touched on this, but people buy games digitally now. Like, I I think the 3DS is the only, like, currently running, uh, I guess, way to play games that I will actually go in and buy a physical copy. Everything else is digital. I, I just I don't have the space to store physical games and it's a pain to go out and purchase them. So I just get them digitally. And I wonder how much these sale numbers are failing to account for the fact that the sales were made up elsewhere, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think also part of it is that like Titanfall 2 in particular was down to like 
$30, which is half of normal price, like several, only a couple weeks after launch. So that a game doesn't get discounted that steeply if it's selling really well. So I think that might also be part of it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a couple of different things, but ultimately it's not healthy just to be putting out different versions of the same game over and over again. And if this is how, you know, you treat, (laughs) but if this is how you're going to treat developers who are trying to do something new, then that's not going to be, that's not going to happen very much either because, Ultimately, it's safer just to make another Titanfall or make another Call of Duty game. Exactly. That might be my biggest problem with all of this. And I don't even really game, but the fact that somebody, just anytime someone puts themselves out there or a, a tiny company puts itself out there because companies aren't people, um, then I think that they should be in some way rewarded for that. And I hate seeing creativity shut down and stomped on so much. And that's what it seems like it is in this case is like, I I understand, you know, people who didn't live up to their expectations, but it just seemed like there was a huge onslaught for this. And it almost discourages kind of stepping out of, uh, out of the box. And I, that, that makes me sad. Um, But what also makes me sad is when we have a huge pile of questions from listeners and we don't get to it. Wait, wait, but we have to do something before we have a game show. Um, so a little game we're going to play together. Um, but we, we uh, Brayden, I don't know if you, you've ever heard us do this before, um, but we all together oh sing, we <laughs> sing the intro to the show. Georgia, oh I'm God. afraid if you try to beatbox, it might just kill you. I might kill me. I might cough box instead of beatbox. Cough box. <laughs> What's the name of the game? Uh, it's called Alphabet. I think you uh, might have heard of it before. Oh, I've, I've, heard, I've heard this one played on Caillou. <laughs> oh no! Okay, we all have to channel our inner high right, rock right. band. Okay, um, so so Brayden, yeah, are you? How comfortable are you? Uh, I, I like that you were hanging back there, like they won't notice. They won't notice that I'm if here. I stay really still and I don't move, <laughs> yeah. Okay, teacher won't so, call on me. So, um, do you want to be the lead singer? Oh God! Okay, I will do my best, but okay, okay. I will be so, honest. So I'm not be the sure. Lead singer. <laughs> Um, we're going to have Micah as your background singer. So don't worry, you are not alone in this. Um, Steve, you can do the melody and, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to do a melody, Georgia. I'm not sure what that <laughs> it's means. Like, you know, <laughs> well, this is going to be a big <laughs> like, mess, but I'm, I'm loving it. Like, like something okay. like, you know, like, you know, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll it, start it off. Um, Wait, hold on. What am I singing about? All you have to say, (laughs) no matter what, is just game show. It doesn't matter how. Alphabet and game show. Or jazz or rap. It's all improv. Just shouting it. I don't, it doesn't matter. And uh, we're all playing off each other. It's very Exactly, exactly. I'll start off. Steve, you can beatbox because I'll do the melody part. Or you can melody with me. Okay. (laughs) we'll, we'll, We'll make this work, Georgia. We'll do it. Oh, we'll dear. do this. We'll do this. Like, you know, we might have to cut this out six times. It's okay. Don't okay. worry. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Okay. Wait, did you just start? Was that it? No. <laughs> uh, I think we killed Muttley. <laughs> Georgia? Okay. okay. Did you do okay, a countdown? Ready? 
This is the game show. This where did my music go? I think it was a very short. It was like it was a sting. It was a musical sting. I think. Okay, no, that was good. That was good. Amazing. I don't appreciate it. That was. Do you want to try it again? Acapella. No, I think that. I think. I think that we're gonna get taken to court for false advertising if we try to do any more of this. Yeah, that was good. No, I think like it didn't quite come across on Skype, but it will in the final. I think it was a good sting. Yes. If I edit this for about eight hours, that'll that'll start to sound good. Yes. You know, I have a feeling that our listeners will know exactly what they're in for here. This is based on that. So. Right, right. Um, we don't want to, you know, have any expectational debt, so <laughs> don't expect much. Okay, so what we do in this uh, game is that we are telling a story, but and we have like two to three seconds to each add to the story, oh and we each only get to add one word, but that word has to be with the first letter of the alphabet. We try to make it to Z. Oh, my God. Okay, now... If What's you don't, Z. <laughs> Zed. <laughs> so if you if you if you take more than three seconds, um, or use a word that is not from the the proper placement of the alphabet, not from the English alphabet, <laughs> right? Or you say two words, um, you're out, and then the other people continue on. Ooh, okay. okay. This is a lot of pressure, George. I didn't. Is I don't this? know that I'm I'm prepared for this. Okay, well, we're, well, we're in it anyways. Okay, okay so um, it'll be Brayden first, so you don't you don't have to worry because you just start and it's a very popular letter. Um, then it'll be Micah, then it'll be Steve, and then it'll be me. And then we continue on, and if you get buzzed out, the others that are ref- left over continue until there's one person that is uh, the reigning alphabet champion. And you get okay, the right. disruption uh, crown. The crown, so you say? <laughs> just what is this crown made of, for chance? I made that up uh, on the fly. <laughs> I don't know. It's made of hand turkeys. Uh, I was going to say Teflon. I like hand turkeys. Okay. I could, I could figure something. Teflon out. hand turkeys brined in the salty, the salty. <laughs> yes, the salty. Sea. Ste- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we may be aiming to lose. What? What happened to us? What is? I don't know. Oh, oh this is bad. Okay. Right, Nobody's going to listen this. to our advice after after this, you know. That's this right, is true. Right, right, right. Well, I'm sure that people will take me seriously after this. Okay. Yeah. Are we ready? Yes, we are. I'm so ready. Okay. Wait a second, wait a second. And go. It has to be a story, by the way. We, it has to make sense. <laughs> just so you know, you what cannot just say when? a word. What is anything that we said on this show made sense? Okay, well, fine. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, big candy didn't even feel great. How I just <laughs> might be your out, Steve. Okay, just no. Wait, what? Oh, god, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Wait, who got I, who I got buzzed out? Steve, we too. What's now, was Steve? I, I, you're, oh. you're assuming I know the alphabet now. <laughs> no. yeah, I think okay. A We're big starting candy. from a premise that might be a little much here. <laughs> I, I think I think I don't even remember what we were saying. I think we're I, I, I'm I'm conceding. 
you win this one. Steve, you said just. You said uh, just, which uh, was. And then but then I heard no, Georgia Buzz. No, just no. Like K K K N O W. Oh, I was thinking N O, and I thought she was telling you you were yeah. wrong. All right. <laughs> So it's oh, Braden's turn. God. Oh no, I definitely no, lost. No, I, I think we, I think we oh. all failed at this point. <laughs> oh. I think Georgia. Okay, wins. well it's over. Who won? Georgia. Georgia won. Well, we we all tied. We would have all lost. I actually had the alphabet in front of me because of my dyslexia. Oh my so I'm like, there's no way I was going to get that. <laughs> all right. Should, so now that now that we've ensured that nobody wants to listen to our advice, let's try to help some people with only using the alphabet. With only using the alphabet, yes. Um, and possibly numbers. So we have an email from, uh, I don't know if we can use his name or not, so we'll, we'll say anonymous, um, who says, my wife and I run a small business in Georgia. It's a fitness facility in a small, very great community that we've built over the last four years. But this election has been incredibly tough for us. My wife and I are heavily invested in the betterment of people, both literally and figuratively. Uh, in that vein, we've had a rough election season because we, like all of you, are a bit worried about what Trump means for the U.S., especially marginalized groups. Um, so uh, so here's the question. How do I help and promote the right things in person and online and in our business without alienating the part of our business that's reliant on the people who voted for and are in line with Trump? During election season, we just kept quiet online but not in person. But now I just can't sit by as my friends are hurt. But at the same time, I'm in a tough spot of knowing that the wrong move could irreparably damage my business. But I hate sitting on the sidelines. Um, so what do, what do we do? That is a tough uh, – that's a toughie, especially in in a place – um, where you run the risk of, of things potentially being unsafe for your business or for you. Um, cause you know, you mentioned a small community and you mentioned that there are possibly a lot of people that don't necessarily agree with you. And I think that that's something that you do have to consider because I, I what I want to say here, I guess, is that I know that there would be some people who in this situation would say, you know, Throw all of that aside because the most important thing is that you stand up for the people that need to be, you know, stood up for. But I also, like, I understand, like, I can, I can list off all of the different marginalized groups I belong to, but I still think that it's important for you to, like, consider your safety, the safety of your patrons and your business and all of those things. So I guess, uh, ultimately, I'm saying, you know, if there's a lot of guilt there on, like, what you need to do, um, I personally don't think that that should be there, at, you know, as much as it is, um, because I understand that you do have to, you have to make concessions and you have to kind of balance things out because there are lots of um, considerations. But I think ultimately the most important thing is um, being being a good person as you're talking about and and really do uh push for uh the betterment of people whether that be in um you know physically or otherwise and in situations where uh you know there are conversations had or you feel like you can make a difference then those are situations where you do step forward and make a difference it's it's honestly that like those cheesy bullying commercials where someone you know their books fall and the person comes and helps them but seriously those situations are important and the same thing goes here you know being a person and a place that's safe for people who feel unsafe and being uh supportive of marginalized groups and when you see situations where uh, people are either you know 
talking poorly about those groups or are uh, potentially even trying to you know harass someone, then those are situations where you stand up and you make a difference. And I think that those small things ultimately do add up to creating a safe place and maybe a place where people don't necessarily feel safe. Uh, that's that's a really important. I, I also think that it doesn't have to be to make a difference, it doesn't have to be with your business. Um, I think that, as Micah said, I really agree with that, trying to create a safe spice, space where everyone feels included. But a lot of this, you can help support and make a difference by supporting with time, foot on the ground, volunteering, adding money to the groups that you do believe in to help support, to help educate, to help deal with that. If you're in a position where you're doing really well and your business is thriving, yeah, maybe you would be able to afford to be able to speak out during business hours as well. I think that a lot of people are not in that position. And, you know, you not being able to eat and having food on the table is not going to help anyone. You need to also take care of yourself. And so you want to deal with that business is business. And that is for all. And I think that a lot of what we need to do is to reach out to others, to help educate, to help talk, to help discuss in ways that are not... Um, reactive, antagonistic, um, hurtful, and dismissive. And we need to have these conversations more often than not. But I do understand that this may not be able to be something that you could do at your business itself. Um, So there are other options that are there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing you could do is either, you know, maybe not so much for your clients, but at least for your, your employees, um, you know, you could give them time off to be able to go volunteer if that's something that they want to do, or you could, you know, or, or you could sponsor, a, you know, a small charity in it locally that is in line with your values or something like that without without necessarily having to do something in the within the four walls of, you know, your storefront, but still doing something out in the community and putting your name on that and, and you know, putting your money or your time into that as well. That's another possibility. OK, so uh, we have a voicemail that is a little bit it's a little bit long but it's also a little bit lighter so we'll go we'll go with that hello everybody my my name is uh, juan i'm uh, uh at chronotized on um <clears throat> twitter just wanted to call in and, and ask sort of a more lighthearted question i guess i actually um had a had a question about um managing relationships and you know with with all the technology and the forms of communication that you have some um, um, I'm I'm 24 and you know like it seems like even 10 years ago like dealing with that sort of stuff and, and how the, that was approached you know it's it's really different even 10 years ago and so I, I that might be a <clears throat> fun question to um, ask about like maybe um like how how do you guys feel about like Tinder or or Grinder or okay cupid and like maybe if there's some um insight on like um you know like how is that you know affecting relationships like it's even twitter that there's people who are on twitter that are couples too and then so you know what's the rules on like retweeting stuff and uh thanks thanks for making the show um it, it really um, has helped me out trying to distract myself after all this, um, after the election and stuff. So, 
thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank yeah. you for the question, Juan. Um, so I, I have some recent experience here. Some of my good friends um, are bumbling and tindering and doing all that jazz and um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I am so glad I met Shane when I did, and I'm so glad that I'm not on the dating scene because that stuff sounds so complicated. Uh, a friend of mine, like Bumble is an app where you, it's like, it's within the, the woman's, um, like purview to, to be able to converse with the man. Um, and yeah, I mean that that's that's one app example and you know you've got the Tinder where you're swiping which I still think is really gross and uh a little a little off and odd but uh they all are very confusing to me and uh I'm just glad that I don't have to worry about those I guess is the the main point there because they really like dating sounds hard I guess. Um I think I think that uh, dating apps are a great way to go about finding people. It's like the old school way of like meeting people because of conversation. But the down point to them is that often a lot of applications, it's more about what you look like because that's the first way in. And I think that that undercuts a lot of really amazing people because the first thing that we notice is something that's superficial, right? If we're all lucky, we end up like old grapes. If we're lucky, you know? You know, the arm flaps and, you know, like that's that's the luckiness. And what we're left with is someone's personality, what's on the inside. So I think that in a lot of ways it's nice because you don't have to leave the house. It's very easy for people that are dealing with social anxiety or difficulties. They can go there. But it's definitely harder for men. And I think that uh, because it's it's just um, the the manner in which we date, which I won't get into, but... I think that we also need to go out. I think that one of the best ways to meet people would be to join a club in something that you enjoy, you like to do. Because at least then, you're not... Like, if you go to a bar or you go to a gym, the first thing that you're thinking about is that, here we are, we're here to date. And so, that makes this really difficult because right away, even at, like, gyms, when you talk to someone right away, your, like, spider sense comes up and you're like, oh, you know, they're interested in me and that puts people's guard up. Whereas if you're meeting because you enjoy rock climbing or hiking or photography or books um, or Dungeons and Dragons, whatever it might be, well, now you're dealing with something that you share, you get to know each other, and then you can go out there. So I think that in a lot of ways, technology has taken us out from away from personal interaction, which in some ways is too bad. But for people that can't get out or are too worried to, I think that it also gives them an outlet. So there's definitely some pros and cons to that. I agree with Georgia, and I want to give a little bit of a different spin on what Georgia's talking about here. I think doing things like trying to meet people online who have shared interests with you is the real challenge, um, but is the most beneficial thing that you can do when using dating sites. And I used dating sites for a long time. That's how I met my partner, Lindsay, um, and uh, several of the the people that I dated before uh, Lindsay and I started dating. I also met through various dating sites. So I have a lot of experience with this. And uh, I found that the most effective way to communicate with people through dating sites is to find, like, first of all, actually read the profile that people put up and find some uh, common denominator between the two of you and engage them in conversation about that specific thing. 
Um, you know, Georgia mentions that uh, for a lot of people on these dating sites, it's all about looks um, and to each person their own. If two people who that's what they care about uh, find each other and have a happy consensual relationship on that basis, then power to them. Um, but I think the most effective way to find people on dating sites and to have meaningful relationships with them is to go into any interaction that you start on a dating site as though you're just trying to make a friend. Because that's, I think, how most the most successful relationships come about anyway, even if they happen online, is that it blossoms out of something um, resembling a friendship, right? Or, or that is a friendship, I should say, just like explicitly. Um, so, you know, contact that person who likes rock climbing, you know, um, contact that person who's read the same books as you. Uh, talk to them about those specific things, because that's how you're going to create a spark and create a bond. And if worse comes to worse, you meet up with that person and there's no chemistry for a romantic or sexual relationship. You probably have a friend coming out of that interaction anyway, uh, which isn't half bad. Uh, I should also note too. I have two two good friends of mine who met their significant other on uh, OK Cupid and are both married now. So I, I think that you know online dating is uh, there. Use I don't think there is so much anymore, but I know there used to be kind of a, a stigma surrounding it. And I still, from time to time, hear people kind of hesitate if they talk about having met somebody online. And I just I think that um, it makes a lot of sense, especially in those. You know, if you're looking for a partner um, as opposed to something else, then I think that those kinds of, of services are really good. And if you're just, you know, looking for a consensual one-time thing, then the apps that are for that are a good thing too. So, uh, the, yeah, there's certainly a lot out there. Um, and uh, we don't really have time to, but sometime we should get into conversations on relationships and social media and how um, how those can kind of impact uh, a relationship or not impact a relationship and how you kind of navigate those things. I like that idea. I think also like the do's and don'ts of how do you interact with someone? Like what are messages that you like to hear from someone and you might respond to um, versus ones that you shouldn't use? And how do you get noticed on these sites? What can you do to stand out from the rest so that someone's going to reply to yours? I think that those are like kind of interesting topics that we should probably um, deal with because like let's help people find other people and be happy and yeah, I like that. Like dating sites and and apps basically just alter or sorry, not alter, but offer an alternate um, way for you to open up communication with someone. They're not meant to be a replacement uh, for meeting people in person. They're supplement, right? They're they're an extra way to do it. And you know, Georgia says, you know, go out and do these things. Go go to the macrame class or whatever the situation is. Um, the online dating site is essentially allowing you to search the people who are in the macrame class to take out that element of randomness, right? Um, and if you look at it as just a way to kind of um, pinpoint people who you would be able, you, who you could see yourself being close with um, and trying to forge a relationship, not, not a, a, a date, not um, a sexual encounter, uh, but just some sort of relationship out of it, whatever is going to happen will actually happen organically. And I think that's the best way to, to deal with those dating sites is to try and create an organic as possible um, relationship out of an inorganic way of contacting each other, a digital way of contacting each other. And not don't feel bad. Um, it takes sometimes a really long time 
uh, to get a match, to find something. It is just part of the media. So just keep at it and, you know, don't feel bad if you don't get anyone that's replying to you for a while. Just keep on trying and try different ways because maybe your way will not be, you know, you'll be more comfortable meeting someone versus being on a dating site. Other people may be doing both and something else. Just don't give up, please. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just like anything else, right? Like it's, you know, there's a pool of people and the person for you just may not be in that pool of people at that moment. So it doesn't necessarily, and don't like tie your self-worth to that. You know, if you, if you aren't getting any responses, it may not mean that there's anything wrong with you. It may just mean that there's not the right person for you just isn't in that currently available pool of people. But if you keep trying, eventually that person who is for you will, will, you know, filter their way into it. So yeah. And have fun. Dating is supposed yeah. to be fun. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question. That's not even a question. It's more of a request from friend of the show, Slingertail, uh, who says, I think what we need is in these days is for Georgia to say Dawabunga again. Oh, this will be really interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bet you weren't expecting this. Okay. Here we go. Dawabunga. No, no, I can do better. I can do better. Truly. I okay. can. <clears throat> okay. No, I can't scream it though. No, don't don't <laughs> scream it. Don't okay. do that. Don't scream it. Don't 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 do that. Okay. Dawabunga! Oh. No? There was still a bit of a scream, There's but a that scream. was good. Yes. That was fantastic. Beautiful work. That's Thank that's you. that's what we all that's what we all in America and Canada, even the nickelback loving part of Canada needed. True. So. Very true. I stand uh. upon that platform. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't judge you, Georgia. You already do. Yeah, no. that, that don't lie, Micah. We're 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 all we're all judging Georgia, but as long as she's aware of it, it's okay. <laughs> fair, fair. Judging uh, Georgia. That sounds like a romance novel. <laughs> yeah, we're like uh, a judge. I don't know why. Okay. It just, has a, well just has a romance novel. You know what? Title Even if I have more questions that I wanted to answer at the, after that, I don't think I want to answer anymore. <laughs> so I think you should just leave us <laughs> out. I regret everything. Um, If you would like to get in touch to share your own romance novel titles, here's how you can do that. Call us at 508-418-3532. That's 508-418-3532 to leave your voicemails. You can also tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message if you'd rather keep it private. Uh, Please note in your message if you would like your name said. Otherwise, we will default to anonymous. Be sure to review the show on iTunes. And, of course, check out our show notes for everything we talked about in the show at relay.fm slash disruption. If you're looking at me, looking for me online, um, I am at Micah Sargent on most of the things. And, Brayden, why don't you share the details of you online? Yeah, you can find my personal self on uh, Twitter at Braden Bullion. Also, quick plugs. Um, if you want to get in touch with Feminist War Cult, you can do that on Twitter as well at Fem War Cult. Uh, and also, Natalie Zina Walshots and I will be starting a podcast on love and gaming called Full Hearts in a few weeks. And you can find us on Twitter as well at Full Hearts Cast. Love that title. Love it. Uh, Steve? Where can people find you? Um, most likely on Battle.net for the foreseeable future because the Hearthstone expansion just came today. And I would like mm. all of you to acknowledge my professionalism that I'm here with you recording and not <laughs> opening a gazillion packs and then playing a gazillion games because uh, I just launched like six hours ago. But uh, I'm very proud of you, Steve. You can probably find me posting screenshots of said uh, Hearthstone binge on Twitter at Wicked Good. 
Awesome. And if Brie were here, she would tell you that you could find her at Space Cat Gal on Twitter and the lovely Georgia Dow. If people are looking for you, where can they get in touch? Well, just follow the coughing. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at, at Georgia underscore Dow. You can shoot me an email at, at uh, sorry, at Georgia at imore.com. And if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, parenting, boundaries, and consequence issues, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. Hey, Georgia, you know what I've heard is good for a cough? What? Salt water. <laughs> <laughs> and Caillou. Uh, all that's left is for Steve to say that thing he says every week. So, Steve, take it away. Go. Get out of here before I sit Caillou on you. Go. Oh. Bye. Oh.